Hey, what's up, Surf Splendor listeners? David Scales. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. I am not going to bore you with a long preamble today. There's really nothing to update you on that isn't covered in the show with Scott Bass. Um, so I'll just say, follow us on social media at Surf Splendor on Instagram, Twitter, and then Facebook, of course, dot com forward slash Surf Splendor. And um, continue to rate and review the show on iTunes. We've been just kind of getting constant couple a week, one or two a week, um, ratings and or reviews. And that again, just helps this little snowball gain momentum. So we love producing the content and we just need you to share the word with your friends. And I've gotten a lot of nice emails of people saying that they're continuing spreading the good word and all that. So I know you're doing your job. I appreciate it. I'll keep doing my job. All right. I believe that's it. Hello at surfsplendorpodcast.com if you want to send me an email. And then, of course, go to uh, the website, surfsplendorpodcast.com if you want to leave a comment about today's show or any other show. One in particular that I would recommend that you listen to is last week's episode with Randy Rarick. He's very uh, concise in his with his words and um, and gives about you know, two hours worth of conversation in about an hour and 20 minutes. Um, so I really appreciated that and felt like he just nailed it. So I loved it. So go back, listen to that episode from last week. It's on your iTunes app or whatever app you listen in, or of course on our website, surfsplendorpodcast.com for probably the third time. All right. Enjoy today's show. I'll be back at the end to sign us off. Yeah, guy. Welcome, everybody, down the line of Surf Talk Radio. Scott Bass, David Scales with you here on this Tuesday, May 26th. And David and I are sitting here in the conference room of the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center, as we do almost every two weeks. And um, we're bringing you Surf Talk News and Surf Talk Radio, and, and we're glad to be with you. David, welcome. We're talking about the plight of the uh, aging kind of middle-aged man and the struggles we go through with body image. And um, and so we figured to heat the mics up and just get it on camera or on um, on record talking about, what are you doing, a yoga, yeah, so yoga I'm, I'm challenge? I'm in a 21-day yoga challenge. What so number day is this? This is number six. Oh, dang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for six days, every day, I've been going to hot yoga and just doing, you know, the standard yoga stuff that you do and or taking a sculpting yoga class, which is lightweight. It's a little bit faster pace. It involves more core. And yeah. So uh, it's 21 days consecutively. How often did you do yoga prior to this six day thing? Zero. Had you ever been to a yoga class previously? Yes. Okay. But it was very infrequent. Yeah. I'd never went for, you know. It wasn't a routine. No, it was like. No, it was not a routine. Okay. And so why dive in to the deep end? Well, the the reason is is that I was, you know, I was doing a lot of work um for the boardroom and for other stuff and I was just simply and the waves were kind of crappy and I was just simply getting out of shape. And 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 as I was telling you off air, it's so quick for a 50-year-old man to lose to lose it, you know, like it t you almost have to just work extra hard just to stay up with the level that you were at when you were 35 or whatever, right. you know, even 40. Right. 
and and you really notice it like it's noticeable you know when you're 40 you're like oh whatever you know i'm, I'm good i'm gonna go surfing for three days in a row or whatever and but when you're 50 all these little things start to you just you just notice it you know like getting old is not for sissies basically is well for listeners who have never seen you you are fit i mean it's you're not an out of shape person so it's um you know it's kind of funny to hear that you saying that i think a lot of people would look at you and be like oh that's like the supermodel in <laughs> high school who's like Oh, I was an ugly duckling growing up, you know? And well, I think that, that actually speaks to what I'm saying. Like, you would look at me and go, yeah, okay, that guy's probably fit, you yeah. know? But And I am fit, but I notice it internally, you know? Like, I notice right. the little love handles around the sides, and I, lo- and, and I notice... I notice that I'm dragging my feet when I get right. to my feet. You know, like I'm not doing pop-ups the way I used to do pop-ups. My right. neck's not up in the air when I'm catching waves anymore. It's down on my board. Okay. Little things like this. And as you know, I'm going on a trip to Indo next month. So I'm like, I got to get my act together, you know. Right. And before, I would just go to Indo. You know, sure. I wouldn't even think about like a fitness Being program fit. prior to it. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I think you actually notice your body's uh, ail, you know, uh, ailments more when you're fit. Like when I've got my diet tight and like I'm feeling good about myself and I have like a piece of cheese, I notice it, you know? Whereas if it's like if I'm on a fast food diet for a week, fast food doesn't bother me. I can eat a donut tomorrow and it, I don't notice the effect. So I think when you're, you definitely, the more healthy you are, the more cognizant you are. But the other thing is you're talking about when you were 40 feeling good. I'm 33 and I feel like crap. And I and I feel like what you're talking about experiencing as 50, I feel that way as 33, where I notice a little bit more sluggishness that I didn't used to have. And just, I again, still feel way healthier than most people my age, but still way worse than I felt five years ago, three years ago, you know? Like, you got to yeah. stay on top of that. And, and what, the other thing I like about yoga, and you sort of touched on it, is that for whatever reason... Um, yoga tends to make me think about the, the holistic picture. Like, what is my nutrition like? How am I, where am I spiritually? Am I balanced? Am I, you know, reacting or responding? You know, am, am I, are my words, my actions, my deeds focused on my inner heart or am I just like my ego taking over? Like, yeah. so, whereas if I just went to a gym and like lifted dumbbells, I'd be like, yeah, let's lift dumbbells. <laughs> and my we ego have, would take over yeah. and there wouldn't be like this holistic approach yeah. to nutrition, to how am I dealing in my relationships with other people. And it's kind of neat that it ties all those things in. I've done yoga regularly um, with different degrees of kind of commitment over the past maybe 10 years or so. And I'm a big believer. I'm currently not on a routine. I'm challenging you right now, 21-day yoga challenge. It actually is this marketing gimmick that I was searching for yoga places in Encinitas, and this one place, Yoga Tropics, had this 21-day yoga challenge, you know? And I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna do, I'm just going to do that. And yeah. my wife and I decided, because it's good to have some accountability, you know, and it's Absolutely. a great way to, to sort of, you know, continue the relationship with her and do some fun stuff together. And so we're do, we're doing it together, the 21 day yoga challenge. And now you are. You're you're in on it. I've, you always try to rope me into whatever what it is, is you're wrong? doing. What is wrong with just a 21 day yoga challenge? Why is that so hard for you just raise your hand and go, "Scott, that's a good idea. I'm going to do that. Why not? What's the downside?" An hour a I'll day. I'll participate in the activities I want to participate in. I'm not going to do it just cuz you're doing something that's got you all fired up I, but just, I, I, look, I do i apologize i thought i heard you saying that you weren't feeling so good about yourself You're, i'm not okay. but i do a, a morning yoga routine uh but like a 10 minute thing that's just self-guided and really is not nearly as intense as taking a class and it's not heated either um but kind of incidentally a friend of mine 
uh, teaches yoga in Long Beach, not far they from They call that Noga, by the way. Why? <laughs> what you do, the 10-minute self-directed. Oh, Noga? It's called Noga. It's really more of a stretching routine. <laughs> okay, it's not really yoga. Go. Now it's not even Noga. Yoga, it's stretching. Yoga movements, but more stretching routine. But anyways, a friend of mine teaches in Long Beach, texted me randomly the other day. She's not related to surfing at all. But she's like, hey, Rob Machado is in my yoga class today. In Long Beach? Yeah. That's right. Like literally two weeks ago. And I was like, that's weird. She didn't know who he was, but people in class came up to her and told her like, hey, that's. And then she knew I was into surfing. So she texted me. What was Rob Machado doing in Long Beach? Who knows? Yoga? I, he's pretty identifiable, though. Yeah, I don't think is. you'd really mistake him. As, no. But she said he was incredibly good. Like his I'm practice sure is. is really yeah. refined. Um, so well, there's a lot of great surfers. Excuse me while I eat on the air. Jerry Lopez. I was just going to say, Lopez and Machado, right? We know are really I would say it. Taylor Knox, for sure. Uh, Kelly, I would think, has a program going. Based on the flexibility that I've seen, like I've seen him doing just a forward bend, and he's... Well, he's a freak. He's like double-jointed in yeah. his back or something. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm going to put these down. So, yeah, eating crunchy food on the air. Nice. Sorry about that. Um, anyways, good pod. Anyways, uh, bravo. Good job. Day yoga challenge. Day challenge. I'm a winner. Speaking of winning. <laughs> Brilliant segue. Didn't I win the Brazilian event? Uh, <laughs> straight Didn't into I beat it. you in the Brazilian event? How do you define winning? Let's start that. Well, just you and I, we had a pseudo $10 bet that you didn't want to do. But just if you just look at the points, right? Go ahead, say it. No, you can't continue on. I'd like. No, I, I believe that I beat you on our Fantasy Surfer Challenge. Scott and I have a fantasy surf club, surf splendor, fantasy surfer.com. If you want to join, we have a couple hundred yep. members in there. Now we have a bet 10 bucks. Anybody can throw in 10 bucks and participate in the pool per event. Winner takes all Scott did not contribute the $10 to this event. Then called me out on the air last show saying, well, since I forgot to contribute or no, you said, because I forgot, you forgot to remind me <laughs> throwing the blame my way. Uh, you wanted to do a side bet after round one had already completed, by the way. Look, hey, my team did great in round one. <laughs> hey, now do you want to bet 10 bucks? And I obviously did not take that. And I just like, dude, if you want to play, play with everybody like I did. I contributed the 10 bucks. So yes, to your point, for the first event this season, your team did better than mine. First time this season. You had 934 points. I had 837. Uh, it's pretty depressing for me to admit that on the air. But overall, my team's still doing better because I won all the other events. Do you so. happen to have the, the point breakdown for where we stand, you and I? Like, what's my total and what's your total? I'll pull it up while we're chatting. Yeah, I, I've got it right here, too. But So anyway, I did stack my team heavily with Brazilians. And... Um, and I'm I'm all about the Brazos, or at least I was. Um, I did Just, make my team for the Fiji event, and I don't think there's any Brazilians on it. Yeah. Um, well, to let listeners know, if you want to participate that in, in that, fantasysurfer.com, um, find our clubhouse. It's Surf Splendor. And then if you want to wager, you can do it on paypal.com. Send 10 bucks to hello at surfsplendorpodcast.com with your username, whether or not you're contributing to the men or the women's event, or you could do 10 bucks for each and we'll get you into both. And then winner takes all. So the winner this, um, this time around was uh, Ken McIntosh, I believe, was the winner. Nova, he's a surfer in Nova Scotia. Wow. Yeah, which is kind of crazy. Ken McIntosh, congratulations, buddy. Yeah, yeah pretty Nova big Nova Scotia, what a beautiful place to... 
surf. It's a great place to photograph, and it looks like the waves are really good. There's all these headlands, you mm-hmm. know? I, and I think there are some really great waves there. Yeah. Um, and I know there are, actually, but I also think that it's real fickle. Have you been there? No, but I have friends that have been there. Mm. You have, by the way, 3,015 points. You're 57th overall in our club. 57 out of 270? 230 or something. And then I have... Uh, shoot. Talk, Scott. I'm looking this uh, up. I'm, t- I'm actually <laughs> sending you my money for this for the oh, Fiji event. Really? I'm on PayPal right now. Good I'm job. typing it in so I don't forget. This is a surefire way to lose is to send David money. <laughs> I love it. No, you should. Everyone should join in the fun. You know, it's ten bucks, and we're all in this clubhouse. How many people do you think are Wait. of the two thirty are are involved in the wagering the the cash game, if you will? There's usually about um, twenty in the men's division and then 10 in the women's division or something so not a ton by comparison to the total clubhouse numbers there's over 200 people in the clubhouse but still if i send you 20 bucks am i good for two events sure or yeah you could do it that way um when people are sending me emails specify where the money's going so that i know and of course use I need your username with Scott. I'll take a note right now that that is for two events. Uh, so you had 3,015 points. I think I said 57th position. I'm in 40th position with 3,074 points. You're a mere 17 places away, my yeah, friend. it's not a lot. You're falling into my trap just as I <laughs> – it's all planned. I start slow to get you all fired up and then take over. Yep. It's all coming together, Scott. Well done. <laughs> uh, one thing we need to address. Be- one thing we really need to address yes. because somebody mentioned it in the clubhouse forum there yes. was Matt Banning met up with Kelly Slater. Yeah. And Matt Banning smoked him. He did. Not smoked him, but oh, beat, him. beat him. He so did. let's discuss this. All right. Because I didn't watch that. Okay. I didn't watch much of this. Did event. you go back and watch? Did you go back and watch the Heat Analyzer? No. Okay. Fair enough. But we can, I can, I can tap no, into no, no, it right don't, now. No, it's not worth uh, tell me about Matt Banning and what did he? What were the ways like? Wasn't it like because what I did see, it looked like it was one or two hit wonders, and then that was it. Uh, speaking for this heat specifically, the waves are crappy, and they both got really crappy scores. So Matt Banning beat him with like less than a Twelve. ten point total. Oh, you're kidding. I think it was less than ten point total. And Kelly, hey, I just got an email. Scott Bass sent me twenty bucks. How about that? Um, that suggests to me that they were both a little frustrated with the waves, and they, Rio lived up to its name okay. or it's let me re you're absolutely right 100 percent. but let me restate the uh banter yeah. for the listeners i've been claiming matt banning for two years well before he qualified for the tour scott's been writing him off even when he qualified scott's writing him off and scott has always staked his flag with kelly slater on a side conversation i've been saying hey kelly's past his prime he doesn't look really as committed to the tour as he has been in the past he there's a lot of silly little mistakes he's making he's underprepared with his boards like when he broke his board at margaret's after he got a 10 and he couldn't get the backup score because he was on a undergunned board just little non-kelly errors this this heat right here sums up two of the points that i've been making all along kelly never should have lost to matt banning who had nothing in his heat scores you know like like i said i think it was under 10 kelly should have cobbled together a heat total that would have beat matt banning and he would have any other year on tour up until now um but it also again reiterates my point that matt banning's a force to be reckoned with so and um that was a great summary let me also state that 
I had Matt Banning on my fantasy surfer team. And Kelly. Which which was I will take as a pat on the back because you've which, been writing was, him off all along. Well, which was me going, look, this guy's forte is in the air. Yeah. And this is going to be an aerial event. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and he was a value. Yeah. What are your so that's all we really need to say about that stuff. I think we're all on board. I think that Banting has a future ahead of him at this point. I'm not saying he's fulfilled his potential yet. I'm not a fan of his style. Okay. There's something about it needs to be refined. I'm not saying it can't get refined. I'm just the, the little bit that I've seen of him. And I will admit half of the jarring and jibing I do with you is just out of fun because it's good that we, that we riff off of each other. And quite frankly, I, I probably couldn't pick Matt, pick Matt Banning out of a lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one or two waves that I did see him surf, um, I think it was at the Quick Pro, the first event, maybe. maybe He didn't look real. His style looked a little lacking. I remember you saying that. Yeah, It's funny to say half of the, the jarring or bantering I do with you is just for the pod. You say that after Matt Banning crawls his way onto your team and wins heats. And then all of a sudden, oh, no, that was all in jest. I didn't really mean it. That's called backpack. I didn't say I didn't what that's mean, called. I, I meant it. But. Let me rewind the tape. I heard it. Uh, incidentally, Stab Magazine did an interview with Matt um, just 12 hours ago. They posted it. It's called What the World Tour Has Taught Me So Far with Matt Banning. And one of the points that Matt makes on that is that he feels he almost quali- – it's kind of to reiterate what you just said. He feels that he almost qualified too early and that his surfing isn't fully developed yet. So he's like, I've learned more in these four events than I've learned in the past three years competing on the junior level and in the QS. He goes, Julian Wilson is a great example of a guy who really fully developed his game and then qualified for tour and like, bang, just hit it. You know, he goes, I feel like I'm still coming to my own figuring out power, figuring out boards, figuring out different styles of waves and how I should be surfing them. And, you know, after a year or two, I'll have those things sorted out. And then I, but it's almost like you want to hit the judges with your full roundhouse punch out of the gates. There was a, I want to say that Taj qualified for the tour and didn't even do it because he didn't feel like he was ready. And this was obviously like 20 years ago or something, right? Yeah. And and it's neat that Matt has recognized this, and I think it's something that other surfers should recognize because you can be that one and done guy. Mm-hmm. That you know, Kolohe almost fell off, right? Because you could argue maybe he wasn't didn't have all the edges quite sanded off yet. Right. And um, there's been some guys who are like, ah, oh, it's too bad he's not on tour. He was exciting, but he was also obviously underprepared mentally or competitively to to be at this level. Right. Yeah, that is interesting. Taj did do that. I was at I was surfing Huntington Beach one time when I was young, like at the pier, north side, and Taj was out riding a Maurice Cole with like no leash and he lost his board. And I w- was walking up the beach and there was a photographer shooting on the sand. And I was just a young kid and to me it looks like a professional photographer and I walk up to him I'm like, "Hey man, are you shooting Taj Burrow?" He's like, I have, I don't know who that is. I don't know that name. And I'm like, oh, he qualified for tour last year and he was only 17. And so he didn't actually do the tour. And I'm giving this photographer this info. And he's like, I'm shooting sand dollars. Yeah. And the guy, the guy was like, looking at me, he's like, first of all, nobody would give up their position on tour if they happen to qualify. And I just like, I was a kid and I just like put my head down and walked away. He like totally shamed me as if I didn't know what I was talking about. 
And then come to find out, I grow up and build a little confidence and realize I'm like, that guy was a dick, dude. Okay. I was so right. I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry you had to go through that. Yeah. That which does not kill you uh, helps you grow. That's right. Makes you stronger, something like that. Something like that. Um, well, that segues kind of nicely into Chloe Andino and Taj Burrow. Have you seen Chloe Andino's latest film, Brother? I, it's on What Youth, right? It's what, on What, what youth? youth for 24 hours for free. I haven't seen it, but I, I saw the the hype around it, and I want to see it. Is it good? It is well worth watching. So for listeners, uh, honestly, 5% of people listening to this will actually be able to take advantage of that 24-hour window. Most people listen after that window's closed. How long is it? It's 25 minutes. Hmm. Uh, you can buy it on iTunes. Actually, I don't know if it's available yet, but it's going to be dropping on iTunes soon. Um, so if you didn't get to watch it for free on whatyouth.com, definitely purchase the video. It's worth watching. Um, Chloe Andino surfing so well. Uh, and it's his kind of contemporary buddies, Ian Crane, uh, Nat Young has a few clips, Luke Davis, a local San Clemente surfer named Tanner Razunko, and then he invites Taj on a trip. They do a trip together to Indo. So that's why I bring it up. Kind of the older elder statesman, still ripping like a kid, you know. Um, Taj, or I'm sorry, Chloe gets one of the waves that people have been saying is the single best wave ever surfed. It made the cover shot of Surfing Magazine a couple months ago. And Where is it? It. It's in France. I uh, think it's in his full suit. No, it's in Paniche. Yes, it's in. He's in his full suit. I think it's the same session Kelly did his five forty. Yeah, I think is it that? the opening sequence of this film. Uh, I think it's the closing wave of the opening sequence. Oh, okay. It's this throaty right hand barrel that he like has to really drive through like crazy. Yeah, and then comes out of it and does a massive. Uh, Alley oop. Yeah, I think I just saw that. Yeah. I'm watching it right Scott's now. Watching it. Yeah. So it's like a John John level. That was the greatest wave ever. Surfed. That's what people were saying. That's kind of a large claim. Well, they've been saying it for months, and it Who's made the they? cover shot. The cover shot of Surfing Magazine, the internet, everybody. The greatest wave ever. Surfed. That's what they're saying. That's amazing. So I gotta say, I've been waiting to see the video of it, which they held back until this video came out, and. Um, I didn't feel that it was the greatest wave. No, I'm surfing. just thinking like Tom Kern's very first wave at Jay Bay was beats the it. most insane. I agree. That, that was mental. It. Yeah. I could think of a couple Chopu waves that probably yeah. beat it, you know. Um, so I've got a question for you. Like I watched this video this morning and Kaloe surfing unbelievably well. Like it's really impressive. The music selection's fantastic. I actually enjoyed it more than I've enjoyed a lot of web edits, you know, in the last couple of years. Yeah. My question to you is Felipe Toledo surfing in the past couple of events. If you took the highlight reels of Felipe Toledo from Snapper, Trestles, and uh Brazil, Rio, it's he's, better he's insane. It's, it's better than any of Kaloe's clips in that movie. In yeah. the twenty five minutes that Kaloe took two years to compile Felipe beat it in the events this year. I, I am such a Felipe Toledo fan. Are you really? I, I am because because he's kind of changed my my whole. Okay, I think I'm watching this wave. That was a pretty <laughs> mental barrel. It's good. That wave's insane. Yeah, but it's not the best wave ever surfed. No, that's a silly claim. That's it, a that's a good question though. What is the greatest wave ever surfed? I, I mean, I would throw Tom Kearns in the hat in the ring for sure. First wave ever at Jay Bay yeah. with Sonny Miller filming it on a. I think he's on a four fin. 
Oh, okay. In like 1987 or something. Right. Or it's it's crazy. Well, this wave, we'll get back to this wave with Kaloe. Yeah, Kaloe got a deep The tube. tube's a 10-point ride, but yeah. then the alley-oop, again, is the level of John John's and Julian's but alley-oops from last year. But he didn't quite nail it the way Philippe Toledo nails his, where right. there's there's no question of transitioning this. Like, this move was a transitional move. It was a move that... Yeah continued on the the ride of the wave you know he landed on the coping and kind of disappears in the whitewash and then he stands up yeah he doesn't lay back but it there's a it's not buttery yeah it wasn't as buttery as john john's last year so it's basically a 10 point ride and a 10 point air on one wave together that's why people are saying that yeah but here's my my point to you is that felipe's highlight reel from the last four events i would argue is better than anything that i've watched in that movie what are your thoughts? I agree with you. And, and Felipe is just on this incredible tear. And I really hope that Felipe does well here as we go to the South Pacific, as we go to Tavarua, as we go to Chopu. For him to come out of that leg and then what? They come here, right? They come here for the U.S. Open. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For Trestles. Uh, gosh, I, it would be neat for him to have a lot of momentum going into what that would be trestles and then probably Europe and then off to Hawaii. Right. But you know what I mean? Like it would be a bummer if he stopped now. Cause it would be like, Oh, that's makes sense. That's what a Brazilian's supposed to do. He's supposed to now kind of lose his way I as we get into Chopu and cloud break and all that. Your point is taken. I wouldn't lump him in with Brazilians in general, but your point's taken. Cause yeah. I'd expect Gabriel to do well there. Miguel Pupo. I'd expect, to I do guess well you're right. There. What I, I guess, it's just that, you know, we have this Brazilian storm moniker and the idea is all these light footed, lightweight ripper guys that are busting huge airs might not do as well in heavy chopo or heavy cloud break. That's, I guess, what I'm saying. And certainly you could lump South uh, North Americans and Australians into that little group known as the Brazilian storm. You can even put Matt Banning in there, like young guys that rip aerials. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm going to pick that apart just quickly before you finish your point. Yeah. I think your mentality is a little bit of the older mindset of Brazil. I think the Brazilian storm specifically different is differentiated differently in that there's a lot more diversity in the Brazilian storm. The old Brazil mantra was exactly that. They're going to go to the big heavy waves and not perform. They're going to rip small beach breaks. That's what's different with the Brazilian storm. I don't know about that, though, because... Back in the day, those the the Brazilians were kind of they weren't necessarily big aerialist guys. They were kind of thug like, big, heavy footed, like Guillermo and um, the Mad Dog guy that I mentioned. Um, what was his name? Neko. Well, all those guys did good in in heavy situations like Pipeline and Cloud Break and Chopu. Um, yeah, Patterson Rosa. That's right. the guy I was talking about. Patterson Rosa, um, Guillermo Hurdy. Um, ADS, Adriano de Souza, those guys were all like thick, big wave kind of charger guys. Well, then where this, I this uh, well, this Brazilian storm is these guys like you think the Brazilian storm is the ones Wiggly, Dantas, Felipe, Gabe, those younger aerialist guys. But we're kind, we are kind of nitpicking, and I think you could nitpick both sides of this discussion. Well. Gabriel won maxing Chopu last year. So let's recognize that. Yeah. And, and Guillermo Hurdy maybe could have won uh, cloud break in 2000. He got second to oh, Luke okay. Egan. Okay. So going into this event though, in Fiji, I know you want to see Felipe continue the momentum, but will he, is he going on your fantasy? He's team? not on my fantasy team. No, he's I, not. He's no. not on mine either. And I, you know, I, I sit here and I, I wonder if I should change that. 
Um, basically because for first of all, as you go into this leg of the tour, there's a bunch of great values. There's a bunch of like guys that, sh- that you know are good in Hawaii and big, mean, meaty waves like like a Dusty Payne or a Seabass. You can get for cheap. Yeah. And, you know, like Felipe Toledo is like 11 million bucks and you can get you can get Dusty Payne and Seabass for that much. Right. You know, and you know, those guys are, are charging. Right. And even Kelly Slater. I don't know what his price is, but nine, seven, five. Yeah, because he's in like 12th position or something. He hasn't been out of the top 10 ever in his career. I mean, maybe he has. That's not a 13th. stat. Yeah. OK, well, that's not a stat, but I think it could be true. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, the the, the values thing is are interesting. The values are there. I mean. Even who who another guy that's on a roll is Jeremy Flores. Yeah, Jeremy Flores is four million bucks. Dusty Payne is three million bucks. Yeah, that's insane. Ace Buckins five million bucks, and he's won Chopu. Yeah, well, I mean, we're not going to Chopu. This is who yeah. I put on my team just to okay. give you some insight. And yeah. the Seabasses and John John and Kelly. It's like that's a pretty solid team for cheap. It is. Yeah, interesting. So my uh, Felipe is not going on my team either, and the reason being. I think it's very difficult to maintain this momentum no matter who you are. People just don't do it in general. They'll get two or three events, but it's hard to go four and five. And now, especially given that Felipe doesn't have any experience really in waves of consequence, and not only does he not have experience, but there's rumors that he avoids waves of consequence, that he's uncomfortable in those style of waves. Oh, that's interesting. So, I didn't know well, that. So last year... He injured his ankle and pulled out of Chopu when Chopu was going to be massive. Mystery injury. Exactly. But then he shows up at the U.S. Open with it taped up and wins, doing airs into the flats. <laughs> so people are like, dude, you didn't, you no-showed when it was 10 foot over the one-foot reef, but show up to your, you know, where you have home court advantage, not home court advantage, but comfort. Well, I'm sure he's, he hears those rumblings, and I would imagine that he's he's got the tenacity and the ferocity to want to go out and kind of disprove that i would hope he's got right? no I option mean, now he does exactly yeah. you kind of you nailed it yeah. like he, it's all it's like dude it's in front of you you right. know you can't tape up your ankle again yeah now well, we don't know what the swell is going to be like but that's the thing so that's where it all comes down to is if it's big I, he's not going on my team if it's small i might put him on at the last minute but guys who are, i did not set my team yet but guys who are definitely going on my team i believe in brazil as kind of a force of nature currently and so i'm putting brazilians on my team adriana de souza he's a good pick is on fire and he's not i'm not a fan but the guy is just no. unstoppable at the moment he's no. going to have even more uh, fire in him based on Felipe's performance in Rio. So he's going to be coming in hot to Fiji and he's proven in big barreling waves and he spent a ton of time in Hawaii. So, and he's competed at cloud break tons of times. So definitely Here's the thing about, I'm sorry to go, no, go no, ahead. No, no, no. Here's the thing about Fiji. You got it. I always think about too, is it's not just cloud break restaurants is a difficult wave to surf. There's tons of chatter on the wave face. It's not the kind of, three to four foot wave you can just roll up to and rip it's super fast so i guess what i'm saying is the guys that have surfed there many many times understand the wave and know the wave really good yeah i don't know how many times the brazilian guys have been there but it's a difficult wave to surf because of the chatter the wind the sections it's really shallow it's really clear it's yeah. you know it's not necessarily a place where you're gonna be busting aerials yeah i'd give it to goofy footers if it goes to restaurants basically they usually hold one or two rounds there so yeah. Although a year or two ago, Seabass got the most insane barrel at restaurants, which was really awesome. But I'd put Wiggly Dantes on my team. I'd put, talking about Brazilians who will do well out there, 
Gabriel Medina, I think, has a real possibility. What, we know he that the sophomore jinx has really set in with, with Gabriel Medina, right? He's sitting at 19th on the tour right Insane. now. I mean, we both expected a little soft, sophomore slump. I don't think we expected this big of a sophomore slump. And so how does that affect him right now mentally going into Fiji? Does he feel like the season's over, whatever, yeah. and maybe that will help him? He'll, some of the weight of being the world champion will be lifted. Yeah, that's and he, a good he won't feel it. And he'll be like, oh, and he's just going to go out and do well. Or is he like, I've got to, it's now or never, I've got right. to do well. That's my Gabe it's a impersonation. Great impersonation. Isn't that good? I do better. My name's Gabriel. <laughs> Start shaving your armpits right now, like the Gillette commercial. <laughs> Um, it sounds like Cookie Monster. Well, I I questioned his mean, his mental kind of feebleness last year when we see him crying on the podium and stuff like that, you know. And so I think maybe that's what we're seeing now. Um, but he won Fiji last year against I think it was Nat Young in the final and like dismantled Nat Young by paddling up the reef and then Matt Nat like paddled around the reef like around the bend and was way too deep so it was like a real chess game last year but obviously Gabriel surfed impeccably as well so I don't know that's a tough call if he's cheap I might throw him on my team speaking of cheap Here's what's interesting, and you may have seen this, but Dane Reynolds got the wild card for Fiji. No, I didn't yeah. see that. Yes. How did he get that? I don't know. But Dane Reynolds is the wild card for Fiji. There's so, no main sponsor for the event. That's part of the reason, right? And because he's not doing the QS. The WSL is like, who, who's marketable? Put- and he hasn't done well in Fiji. <laughs> like, why is he there? He's there. I'm looking at him right what? now, and I saw the press release came out this morning. Wow. Yeah. So Dane Reynolds is the, is Dane Reynolds the the recently um, the new father? Yeah. Does he even elicit a shot in the dark? A one point five million dollar. The thing about Dane is that he'll ha- he's also he'll have that one great heat and he'll be like killer and then that's it. Yeah. You know, like I would. He might not- have a round one heat that you're like, I told you, Dane Reynolds is going to win this, and then he's like. Drinking beers at the bar. I'm not. Putting, I'm not putting him on my team. <laughs> Hell no. I, but I think this. He might be lobbying to. I mean, you questioned. Hey, now that he has a kid, his kind of free surf career. He's not really putting a ton of time into it. Are we going to see him try to compete again? This could be that. I mean, yeah. why else would you do it? I, I would think he'd be lobbying for this more than they'd be chasing him down. Yeah, I. I it is a weird choice, huh? Like, does the WSL, like, if you're the WSL and you're like, who's really sexy that we can put in because we don't need to worry about a sponsor's wild card? It's our choice. Who's the guy we pick? The sexiest guy that we can pick for this event? I'd go Jamie O'Brien. Jamie, you could certainly argue Jamie's way sexier of a pick, you know? I mean, just in terms of who's going to go out there and post tens, Jamie is. And who yeah. else? I mean, I think there's more to that list, right, than than just Dane. Like, Dane's not even in the top three. Or maybe he is top not, three. Not at Cloudbreak. If this was Lowers, I'd put Dane in the top three. Or even Hossiger or France, where he's made the semis in the past, you know? Um, but, yeah, that's really – well, the, they got it. doesn't say why. It just says that he's been given the wild card. Wow, crazy. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. 
Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references. And now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Anyways, um, when does the event start? Do you know it's like two weeks? Yeah, the event, I've got it right here. Um, holding period May 31 through June 19. Okay, May 31. So not even two weeks. Coming up on it. Um, one other quick thing about fantasy. Remember I told you a while ago, like I think it was two events ago, there was a, a member in our clubhouse who won the men's division. His name was Philosoraptor. And we were joking like, oh, what is that a dinosaur who's like a philosophy professor or something like that? No, he raps. He's a rap singer. That's what you thought. Well, he photoshopped a pretty rad avatar right. <laughs> on his thing in the clubhouse. <laughs> It's like a guy in a suit, looks like a professor in a suit, like holding a corn cob pipe or something, like a smoking pipe, but with a velociraptor head, like wow. a dinosaur head coming out of the suit. It's pretty solid. All right. Good so for him. Check that out. Great avatar work. Yeah, serious. <laughs> um, oh, shit. I was watching this What You thing. Hey, dude, watch your language. It's a family show, Scott. You cussed already. <laughs> what I what heard did you. I say? I, you might have used the S word. My wife you. has never heard me cuss, dude. Pretty sure you it's heard. Not, it. No, it's not part of my lexicon. I man. heard you cuss earlier in the show. Please, oh, please. Um, did you? We've we should follow up on a story that we've been kind of discussing on the last few shows, which is the Mavericks debacle, the Titans of Mavericks. Oh yeah, the, good the idea. W, the WSL put in a permit to hold an event there, so that was going to be in contention with the Titans of Mavericks. Um, since our last show, they withdrew their permit. Well, May 20th was the day when they were going to, when the, all this came out. Like they were going to decide between the Titans of Mavericks and the WSL. That the Harbor being, Authority yeah, the Harbor was going to decide who gets the permit. Right, exactly. And, and that day came and I was like, what's going on? And then they both sort of sent out press releases, the WSL saying, hey, there was an administrative error on the Harbor Authority's part. And so even if we had submitted a permit or an application for a permit, wouldn't have mattered anyway. And then Titans of Mavericks came out saying, you know, basically, that's not true. We're the best one. They chose us. Our permit got approved. And so there certainly continues to be no love lost between the Titans of Mavericks and the WSL. And then the WSL, uh, Peter Mel, the commissioner of the Big Wave World Tour, basically in that statement, you know, I'm paraphrasing more or less, said, hey, look, Mavericks is a great event for a big wave world tour stop and we're going to continue. It would be awesome to have an event there. Yeah. It, I just don't understand. Why would the WSL lie and say there was an administrative error? I don't think it was a lie. I think there was an administrative error. Well, one person's not telling the truth because the Titans came out and said, that's not what happened. We won fair and square. Well, I don't know if they exactly said that and we should okay. check exactly what went down. But um, I'm just, I, I was just saying like, 
you know, I don't believe the Titans would like because why would the WSL lie about it? What they I wouldn't. find fascinating about all this stuff is is these are Peter Mel's bros, you know, like the all ti- the, the all Titans. these guys in the yeah. Titans. I mean, it's Flea, it's Ken Skindog Collins, it's Jeff Clark. I think they're friends. But there's obviously some conflict well, here it seems between that the conflict is between the powers at the WSL and Pete Mel is definitely working for the WSL. But I don't know that he's the one who's going head to head with them. I think he's probably trying to stay out of it. I don't think I, I mean, his quote was in the WSL press release, you know, well, they, like basically saying, hey, we want to do an event here. It makes sense. Yeah, they probably ask him to say something to smooth things over. But I don't think it's Pete Mel who's like leading the charge to dethrone the Titans. It doesn't seem that way. No, and I I don't think that he is either. I don't think that he necessarily wants to... It's not that he wants to dethrone anyone. It's just that they want to have a big wave event there at Mavericks. And only one. And only one. It makes sense. And so, you know. Yeah. Interesting. Well... We'll keep people posted. I mean, because the other guys, like you, you, I read stuff on Facebook from various guys like Flea or whoever, and they're basically saying, hey, man, these multi-stop tour guys that want to just roll up to our place and throw up the circus and go to town and then leave and not respect us. Not those guys are us. Those guys are out, you know, right. and so and basically they're saying that's that's Peter Mills tour more right. or less. He's the commissioner of the big wave world tour. I mean, right. they're basically saying that they're they're anti their friend. There's nothing in there that says, hey, we respect Peter and the big wave world tour. And, you know, it's very contentious. Yeah. What you, when you read between the lines, it's yeah. just very much like, get out of here. You're not allowed here. <laughs> yeah. 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 Which is all kind of fascinating, and I'm looking forward to a Titans of Mavericks event. It's like as we mentioned last episode, it's it'll be neat to see sort of a new flavor in the Big Wave World Tour. Can they? It'll only up the game for you and me, the fan. Totally. You know, like hopefully the Big Wave World Tour will learn something from them, and vice versa, and they'll put on a good broadcast. Well, I think that one thing we didn't state when we discussed should it be Titans of Mavericks or should it be a WSL event, um. We didn't really break down last time what that would mean as a difference for the viewer. So I just want to restate it. And it's kind of implied for people who know are in the know. But I should restate the Titans of Mavericks event would essentially be an event of the best big wave surfers in the world who aren't on the big wave world tour. It's local guys. It's guys from other nations that have put in their times at Mavericks, but they're the most qualified local surfers to compete in I an think event. That some of these guys are on the big wave world tour though, aren't they? I thought you can't compete if in that, if you're already in oh, that. that might be the case because so, it's not sanctioned. Yeah, exactly. So the alternative, if the WSL runs an event there, it is the big wave world tour surfers who go surfing around the world at these different destinations who would then come surf in this event at this destination. So when we're talking about one versus the other, it's not just different companies that are organizing the event, but we're going to watch the same surfers compete. We're going to watch two. We're picking. Are we going to watch the world tour surfers compete or are we going to watch the best local surfers compete at this event? That's what it comes down to from the viewer standpoint. Um, and of which would I prefer to see? I don't know. You know, I kind of, I have an interest in watching either or. So by the way, um, did you hear in, in business news? Did Holy you- shit. I'm just watching the gnarliest Greenbush barrel. It must be Luke Davis yeah, or somebody. Luke Davis's barrel at Greenbush. That was mental, man. Yeah. That's worth watching that video. That for. is gnarly. Luke gets a proper, and the thing like multiple sections and they show it from a couple different angles. Wow. But yeah, it made me love yeah. Luke even more. 
You um, love Luke. I do love Luke. Dude, speaking <laughs> I of... I do love Luke. Louis, Louis is you're, my affectionate name for Luke. Funny. Oh, my <laughs> God. I don't, I don't even know who he him? is, but I know he just got a sick barrel. Well, you knew who he was because you identified him, obviously. Yeah. Uh, don't act like you don't follow his Insta. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't follow his Insta. Double tapping his Insta oh, all the time. Oh, my God. What does double tapping mean? What That's is how it? you like a post. Oh, you double know. tap it, oh. and it turns red. Oh, I'm so old. Uh, anyway... I speaking of feeling old, yeah. right? Like we were kicking off the show with. I did a surf trip with Luke, yeah, and I saw a photo of myself with him. Yeah, never have I felt older, dude. I thought <laughs> I was like their peers, hanging out, you know, having a good time. And I looked at a photo, and I was like, who's "You look that, like their accountant." Who's that old? <laughs> <laughs> who's that old Why, man? Why'd they bring their accountant on the trip? I was like, I was looking at it, going, "I literally took me a second to realize that was me," because I just thought we were the similar age. Dude, no. there's a big difference between 23 and 33, let yeah. me tell you. And I was just like, I need to smile more. I need to put more sunblock on. I need to hit the <laughs> yoga class a little bit harder. Like, what? Oh, it was depressing, man. My life has changed. That was multiple. That was like three years ago, but my life has been sadder ever since. Oh. So in business news, um, if I can have your attention for one second, yeah, I thought Scott. Stab, didn't Stab get purchased by... That's what I was... Yeah, did I? Yeah, look that, at me, look friggin' at going there. Yeah, that was like a little ESP, dude. Yeah. Um. So, Surf Stitch. Yeah. Who is Surf Stitch? Well, that was going to be my next question. <laughs> Surf Stitch is a clothing company, or like online a, swell, online right? They're like Australian retailer for like swell is, aren't they? Yeah, online retailer. But they're buying all this media. Purchase Stab and Magic Seaweed. Quote. These ac- the acquisitions the acquisitions we we have made are leaders in surf generated content. We focus on global action sports in the northern hemisphere, including surf and snow. And um, basically, they paid three point eight million dollars in cash and four point eight million shares in Surf Stitch to the two online businesses, which combined attract more than 2.75 million individual visitors to their websites monthly. These acquisitions are tipped to be earnings. Um, oh, that's I don't need to mention that. But basically, the idea is, look, we're selling clothing retail online. And now we have we, content behind Rather it. than advertising right. on these things. Let's just we, buy it. Not only buy it, but then we'll generate organic content right. that flows. And so if you noticed on it's like Stab... like Red Bull or like GoPro. If you noticed on Stab in the past couple of months, they were doing things that were like our favorite clothing. And then like you go look at Stab Magazine's favorite clothing, then there's a link to purchase it on Surf Stitch, you know, stuff like that. They recently did a wetsuit uh, buyer's guide with links to purchase on. Right. So that's their idea is like, we'll just infiltrate organically as if the users won't notice. Right. You know, which isn't, so, I mean, that's not so a new is, idea. But. So is Stab just now... Has Stab lost all its like cred. edge, his street cred? I think they've grown to the point to where you and I will notice and we'll move over to Beach Grit until they do the same thing. <laughs> I don't know about Beach Grit. They're you so, do, you they're do know so about, far left. You love it, dude. I don't. I, I actually don't. I mean, I, I don't not love it, but I don't. <laughs> it's not like on my favorites list, you know? Like I stumble onto it through Facebook or yeah. Insta or whatever. So I think Stabs and Magic Seaweed have grown large enough to where they can offend us to the point that we won't return. But there's enough other people on there who are just going to continue to click through and make those purchases to make this substantial for Surf Stitch. Yeah. Look at the inertia as sure. an example. Yeah, yeah, you know? for sure. Um, but my question, I guess, to you is, 
Have you ever visited Surf Stitch once in your life? No, I didn't even know what it was. I was... How often do you visit Magic Seaweed? Not too often. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I do, it's because somebody sent me a link to something. I don't. Isn't it a European site? I think the UK yeah. is where they're based. So, I mean, I'm sort of stuck in my little zone of what I where I go. Needs online. to be wrapped in an American flag for you to participate. <laughs> <laughs> it might. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. The fact that you even said I love Felipe Toledo in this episode is shocking to me. No, I'm 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 a big fan of because of his attitude. He's like yeah. the anti Gabriel. You know, he's like yeah. he's humble, he's but he's also like he's frothing and he's and he's also has this um you just sense that he's over the hump like that yeah. he's he's you know the tipping points happened for him and he knows how to win and and really that's why it's exciting the south america the south pacific leg for him because it's like okay if he can do well get to the quarters or the semis in these two events he can really go a pretty far away here and he's got the great attitude like i i would like Gabe Medina if he didn't have like this he's kind of got this attitude well, i don't know he, what it is he's got that. this like you know at least with felipe you're, you want to root for him you're like yeah. and same with the ads same with adriano you're you're kind of like you know what i kind of want to root for him even though he surfs you know he's got a hideous style but at least you know he's got this like blue collar mentality yeah well i agree with that i my other uh caveat with gabriel and the reason i don't like him is his surfing so predictable you know it's kind of like he everything is telegraphed from the moment he stands up, I've never, there's no spontaneity in it. Um, there's some skating through sections to get to an air section sort of a thing rather than really utilizing every, you know, energy of the wave. Um, so that's my complaint with him. But counterpoint, I hate Adriano surfing, but I love his personality now that I've gotten to know him after he's won some events we hear like, I'm on board with Adriano. I can overlook your horrendous style because I'm rooting for you deep down, you know? Whereas Gabriel, it's like, dude, you have horrendous, not horrendous, but I don't like your surfing and I don't like your attitude. And I think Philippe's kind of the best of both worlds. He is, yeah. And speaking of spontaneity, Philippe's spontaneous. Yeah. Um, He made Rio exciting for sure, you know? Uh, Jake Howard wrote a piece on stab called from Brazil with love kind of recounting the event and that Felipe made it exciting, but also the spectacle of Rio made the event exciting. Whereas the waves really under delivered as they were anticipated to. But the fact that there's so many people on the beach going nuts makes it an exciting thing. And Kai Otten at one point gave his board away to the crowd. Like he lost his heat and then threw his board out to the crowd and there was going to be a riot because (laughs) 10 different people's hands lay claim to this board. So the, um, the, the staff, the security staff actually wrestled the board out of the crowd and back into the event site. And the ASP or the WSL had to institute a policy that like no giving out rash guards, no giving out anything to the crowd because it's a serious security concern. Gabriel Medina had five paid private security guards at his hotel at all times preventing, you know, wow. issues. You know, it, the beach crowd in, in Rio is, it's sort of the way that I wish the beach crowd was in Huntington Beach for the U.S. Open because they're all there frothing for the surfing action. They're like, there for surfing. Yeah, there's, they're not there to like look at 14-year-old girls or watch the motocross right. or just be there because there's nothing better to do in July when you live in 
you know, Corona. Yeah. We go to Huntington Beach Pier. I don't know. Let's get drunk. Right. You know? And, and that crowd there, and I could be wrong because I wasn't there, but you get the sense that they're there for the surf. There's no sideshows. This is a surfing event. And they seem to be engaged in the action in the water and, yeah. you know, screaming and yelling and basically are true sports fans. Right. Over the top fanatic fans. Yeah. You know, and um, the question for the WSL is how do you monetize that and blah, blah, blah. We've had that conversation. I think they I think, you know, well, they got some sponsorship from Brazil, right? Some telecom yeah. company or something. Boy. I think that they're on their way to monetizing it. Good. And it's. I don't think I think the Rio event will happen for a long time. I think it's a winner for them fiscally. Well, what what really needs to happen is those brands need to be able to capitalize on that the other 11 months out of the year as well. Plant the stores, infrastructure, sell to the masses throughout the year, you know, and and then those crowds would actually be even bigger. I want to know who owns Brazilian Storm as a trademark. It must be somebody. And um, are they pushing T-shirts out and bumper stickers and all of that I've stuff? Seen, I've seen the clothing. Is there a trademark on it? I don't or know is if it it's just, trademark. It's just like gone wild. Well, Anyone um, can make a Brazilian Storm logo and go to town. It's funny you mention that. That's in this comment that I was just about to read. He says it's created by a foreigner, by the way, the Brazilian Storm. This, this says that. Um, in that article on Stab, as with most articles on Stab, the most interesting things are in the comment section, <laughs> you know, <laughs> often the most offensive things. But sometimes there's moments of kind of real clarity and enlightenment. And this comment was left by a Brazilian commenter. And he said, Brazilians are very low self-esteem people, quote, concerning or parentheses concerning the nation. We know the country sucks. If you don't have the right friends in government, as 99% of the people don't, you have to struggle every day to keep things going. At the moment, the country passes through an unprecedented economical and political crisis. The inflation will, uh, rate will beat 10% a year, and there is an impeachment movement currently in process. Even the football in the World Cup was the worst deception in history, and, I don't even talk, and I'm not even talking about the violence that takes place. Any small reason to feel pride about Brazil is going to be important. And there are almost every time related to sports events because it's a way to help people forget about the things that are going on in the country for a split second. So be prepared for annoying Brazilians and the Brazilian storm created by foreigners, by the way. That's my personal analysis. I really hope that this frenzy stops and it makes me worry about future crowds. So sports is almost a drug for the Brazilian nation, the populace. That'd be one way to look at it. It's a way to divert their attention from reality. Yeah. Something wow. to do for free, something to participate in, to go get excited about, you know. Um, but that comment is really interesting to me and it makes me sad, yeah. you know. It but is it, sad. But it also puts more clarity on what we've talked about lots of times is – What's in the um, water down there that makes them so passionate and so whatever? And this is kind of what it is. It's this pervasive poverty cycle that it, you got to get out of it somehow. And sports is a way to get out of it. And if you're not a top athlete, you can at least be a fan. And um, so I, I'm glad, though, that we didn't witness any violence down there. Looking at those crowds and knowing what happened at Huntington Beach, I think, was it last year or the year before? I think it was the year before. There was riots in Huntington yeah. Beach. Yeah. Um, that you know so that could easily go down in brazil will, will there be a riot my question to you will there be a riot in the next three years at the rio event 
Well, we've also got the Olympics coming up down there too, and that'll be something to um, look at. But I mean, something that yeah, that the I mean, WSL doesn't you know put security measures yeah, in place like, or infrastructure. Yeah, or, yeah. No, I. It's a very that's very possible. You know, I mean, we've heard professional surfers. I remember Shane Dorian getting held up at gunpoint and having a surfboard stolen. He was walking down to the beach, gun to the back of his head, get on your knees. Shane gets on his knees. They're like, give me your surfboard. They took it from him. They go, don't get up or open your eyes for count to a hundred or something like that. And so he just gave him the board, kept his eyes closed, counted to a hundred, opened his eyes. They're gone. Gnarly. And that happens. That is so gnarly. Not to mention, you know, we've covered Ricardo Dos Santos. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting. I'm really fascinated by Brazil, dude. Like, I've told you in this, the past, in this year, basically, that I've kind of fallen in love with the passion and the movement and all that. And I never cared in the past, but it's just like there's a real um, working class hero sort of rags to riches story that keeps coming up with. It used to be one guy or two or three guys. And Adriano was waving that flag for 10 years before he got. Uh, these other guys on tour, but not only with Gabriel last year, but now Felipe, but then Wiggly Dantes. And then let's point out Idolo Ferrer making the final. Was it the final? He made the final, I think in Rio this year, or maybe it was the semis, but whatever. It's like underdog. Who is that guy? I mean, he's been on tour and he's amazing, but he's so fallen under and behind these other names that we don't really pay attention to him, but he's incredible. Writes yeah. Timmy Patterson boards, by the way. Mm. San Clemente shaper. Yeah. So, anyway. Well, um, El Nino. El Nino is... Um, it's been on the minds of people lately because a lot of the indicators... Uh, and by the way, El Nino forecasters, and I give them credit for this, they're very quick to say, hey, look, it's just um, an indicator. It's not a for sure thing yet. But anyway, the indicators are such that... El Nino, if the indicators continue uh, marching along as they are now, basically the Madden-Julian oscillation and a bunch of other Kelvin wave stuff and scientific stuff that I won't get into. because thought he said Matt and Julian, like Matt Wilkinson and Julian. No, no, Madden-Julian oscillation. Oh. It's the difference in pressure between Darwin, Australia, and Tahiti. I thought you were drawing a surfing analogy. But anyway, my the El Nino indicators are really strong that we're going to be set up for an El Nino winter. Um, again, they're all kind of on bated breath. They're, they don't want to jinx it almost. You know, At least the surfers don't. The scientists are like, look, we'll know more in June. But right now, everything is leading towards um, def- a definite El Nino. Now, last year, they were saying, hey, look, it looks good for a pretty good El Nino. And then things died off in the summer. The, the indicators um, sort of faded away. And we got this sort of what they call a... Um, we just got like a really light El Nino. Right. And this year, um, all the indicators, again, looking pretty solid for an El Nino. And you'll start to read about it. There's some discussion, a really good discussion on it on the uh, Surfer Magazine forum. Yeah. And then I would also urge anyone that's interested in it to go check out stormsurf.com and click on Mark Sponsor's videos that he does each week, which update the El Nino situation. You mentioned that. Uh, probably a year ago and a listener emailed me since then and was like said that he's super hip to those videos yeah they're great they're very scientific and they're long right but uh, if you're into the science it's you know you learn if you're into learning it's a good 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 option for you right interesting um 
Do you have dukes and kooks and all that stuff? I oh, have musty moment. Okay. It's, Be- before we get, I'm sorry, before we get to that, do you want to talk about the boardroom show? Yeah, let's do a boardroom wrap up. Got to do a wrap we up. Forgot about How that. did we not get into that yeah, yet? Exactly. It's been heavy well, on our. Look, Roger Hines won the Icons of Foam Tribute to the Masters presented by U.S. Blanks. U.S. Blanks is uh, my main sponsor. And quite frankly, I can't do the show without their support. And so I want to give a big shout out to Jeff and Kim and Ernie and yourself. USBlanks.com. USBlanks.com. So um, really appreciate their support over many, many, many years. They've been with the show. And Roger Hines won that. And that was a tribute to Rusty. Yep. And um, Dave Parmenter and Ward Coffey. And Stu Kenson and Chris Christensen and Tim Stamps competed with Roger, and Roger Hines won that. And so that was that was pretty cool. Two-time winner. Back-to-back winner, yeah. How? What's the record? Three. Who's got three? Uh, Ricky Carroll has three. Ricky's pretty rad. Wayne Rich has two. And um, I think there's another. Is there somebody else with two? Did Ricky go for a fourth? And No, or- we didn't allow him. Why not? No, he did actually. He came out for the. He might have been out here for the. Terry Martin. Yes, the, he Terry, did the Martin. Terry Martin one. Yeah, and then Calvani won that. Calvani won that one. Yeah, okay. and it was probably between Ricky Carroll and Matt Calvani. So at some point, you go, "Hey, look, it's obvious that you're one of the best. Let's let some other people do it." You know, and oh, so I'm so, under the impression let him. Go like Slater, dude. I Well, I toy with it. I actually talked to Roger Hines this morning about that. Oh, really? Yeah, and I'm kind of, you know, my feeling is there's a lot of shapers out there that deserved the attention that this kind of event gets, you know? Um, and then there's also the opportunity of doing like a Champions of Champions event where That's we get Ricky Carroll, Wayne Rich, Roger Hines, probably Pat Rawson. And then maybe have the guy that we're honoring pick the other two guys, but make sure that they're guys that are keen, that are like into it to win it. I think know? if it's going to be champion versus champion, it's got to be all champions. All champions. Yeah. yeah, we could definitely do that. But then we'd leave some out, you know, because we've done so many of them. Yeah, that's true. I, I mean, let me think. I've got Ricky Carroll, Roger Hines, Wayne Rich, Mark Andrini, Stu Kenson, Matt Calvani. Uh, Ward Coffee. Biolis won. Biolis. That's eight guys. Yeah. I've done 13 events. So that's yeah. probably the eight guys. Could I squeeze those eight guys into a competition? It'd be tough. It'd be tough just based on timing. Yeah. I need an hour and a half. Right. I can only do six guys. Right. I might be able to do seven. Yeah. But huh. they, so you can't really do that without including them all unless you say, um, Maybe what you could do is take the guys that have won multiple times and then put the rest of the guys in a hat and just do a draw. Yeah. Well, I, I like that concept anyways. I do too. Champion of champions. So my favorite part of the weekend was Tom Curran riding around on roller skates. Oh, what was that, dude? That was the best ever. I First of all, I didn't even see him. I was there all weekend and I check Instagram later in the day and I see Tom Curran skating around in a bunch of people's photos. And I'm like, where was that, dude? I know there was a bunch of people that I wanted to meet and see that I didn't see. Like, like Sonny Garcia was there. I never saw Sonny. I saw him. Chris Ward was there. I never saw Chris I Ward. I saw Chris. Tom was there. You never saw Tom. What, Rob Machado was there. I never saw Rob. I saw Rob. What was Tom doing? Greg Long. I did see Greg Long. What was Tom doing and why did he have roller skates on? 
I think, first of all, the roller skates thing is the most brilliant thing ever because when I'm there and you walk a lot too, we all walk a lot when we're there. If you're on roller skates, you're just cruising. You're not even walking. You're just rolling and it's way easier perhaps on the feet and the legs. But who owns roller skates? Tom Curran. It wasn't inline Dude, there's blades. A, there's it a was run, skates. There's a run on roller skates right now. People are trying to get that Tom Curran look going. Great. That was hilarious. Well, he was there for Maurice Cole's booth. Oh, he was. Maurice had him because they're auctioning off that classic Maurice Cole board that Tom Curran wrote in that, that classic photo, the cutback photo at Backdoor that yeah. Tom Survey took and Jeff yeah. Hornbaker took. A bunch of guys got the same shot. But that classic 7.6 or 7.8 Maurice Cole, that's the same board that he surfed on when he won the Holly. His only Hawaiian win was yeah. on that, one of those that board in the semifinals. He went to the 7.2 in the finals. But that board is the board in that. So anyway, he was there to help Maurice sort of kick off the idea of the reverse V, which is um, Maurice is basically kind of, I don't know exactly what he's doing, but I think he's trying to um, put together a package of of replica boards of all the reverse fees that he made for Tom on Tom's, you know, and Tom went from trials to champion that one year. I want to say it was like 93 or something. I could be off by five years. It might've been 89, 93, but, but it was when he was off tour, he had already won two world titles. Tom Curran was then off tour for a number of years. And back then you had to go through the trials Mm -hmm. just to get into the main event of each event. You had to surf the trials to get through. So each event Tom Curran showed up at, he had to get through the trials, then get into the main event, then go on to do well in the main event. And he did that one entire year, went from trialist to champion, the only guy that's ever done that, mm-hmm. which is pretty amazing. Yeah. On, and the board, the reverse V thing was an accidental design feature, right? By Maurice Cole, I believe wasn't it, it? I believe it was. Um, but it was I'd, like hate he, to be, I'd hate to say the wrong thing here because Maurice is a good friend of mine and yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to mess up. Somebody's got to dig that but up. But I we'll do recall that somewhere that it was like um, a defect in the blank. Oh, that's or something. right. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think you're right because I just had Maurice on the show yeah. here like a month ago. I think he discussed it. Yeah. I can't believe I like. Is it, that where you heard it? I'm not sure where yeah. I heard it. It was like a defect in the blank, or just maybe it was a shaping error. Because I know he's pretty open about like I made you know I was a my horrible best, shaper. My best or, boards were mistakes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then Tom was just like, "F it, give me that thing," and just went out there and shredded on it. And then now, you know, people use it and want it. But um, at any rate, Tom Curran on roller skates, dude. That's a that's going down in the history books of the boardroom show. Yeah, that was everybody. And then he was jamming on the guitar too. I don't know if you saw that, but he had a yeah. really good jam session in the luthier area with all the handcrafted guitars. And yeah, so. For me, you know, Tom's my era. I remember meeting Tom in 83 at Sunset Surfboards when I worked there in downtown Encinitas. And Tom was just, you know, he was like a junior in high school and he was the NSSA national champion. Or, and he came there with his newly, like he he got married when he was like 18 years old. I didn't to, know that. To, um, was it Lisa or, uh, I forget her name. But anyway, um, Marie Curran, I think it was Marie mm-hmm. Anyway, they showed up back then, you know, as like a stop for Al Merrick or for for some Quicksilver or whoever it was, OP or somebody. But my point is, is that what I was trying to say, and I took the roundabout way to get here, I was excited to see Tom Curran at the show, probably more than any other person. Yeah. Because I'm a huge fan and a lot of Californians that grew up in my era and maybe in your era look to Tom Curran as like the guy. And I still do. Like, oh, he's as far still as style, my guy. Totally. He's the style master. And his roller skates proved that. Still my guy, dude. Yeah. And even when you see him surf nowadays. He rips. 
unbelievably. Yeah. Like he talking about uh, Gabriel Medina skating through sections and avoiding kind of energy opportunities on the wave. Tom soaks up every single bit of energy, even when it comes to the finish on the whitewash. He'll still be banking the whitewash and doing in the most stylistic manner. Crazy. Yeah. Makes you reconsider your entire approach. Yeah. It helps you to slow things down and just kind of go. Follow the hands like Tom just follows the hands. <laughs> yeah. Get into that bottom turn, man. Bottom turn. That's all I got. It's all about the bottom turn. So what about the board? What else about the board? Oh, show? gosh. The women, ex- uh, the exhibition of the female shapers. That was insane. That really was really cool. cool. All the girls put out great product. Super yeah. nice blanks and prove what we already know that you don't have to be a guy to be a great shaper. There's great women shapers. And I would urge you to go. Consider getting a, a, a shape from a girl. Why not? I had a great board from Ashley Lloyd, and I'd love to get a board from Kelly Conley. Yeah. yeah. And um, then the Ultimate mass, Craftsman Ultimate Project Craftsman. presented by Visla. Uh, Gene Cooper won that, and that was insane and just stupid. Like between Roger Hines' board and Gene Cooper's board, the judges were just pulling their hair out. They couldn't yeah. determine which one was better. They, they went over each board with a fine-tooth comb. They found a few flaws in Roger's fin. Oh, you know, really? they, they had to find, you know, like they, it wasn't something obvious, you know, but there was maybe the fin layup was off just an eighth of an inch or less, you mm-hmm. know, but these guys had to pull out the magnifying glass and really kind of find the flaws in these two boards because they, there weren't any. Well, I spent time watching Roger's board being built. So I kind of had a vested interest, so to speak in that. But when I got to the show and I looked at Gene's board and I watched Gene's video, I was like, I went over to Roger and I'm like, hey, dude, be prepared. You, If you're going to win, you got to knock out the champ. And this is definitely not a knockout situation. Be prepared to politely smile and clap when they call somebody's name because that board is insane. That's I'm glad. That, I was so worried about Roger being bummed out that he didn't win because, quite frankly, he should have won. He could have won. Like, it was basically a tie. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, I, I thank God I'm not in the judging process. You right. know, But I do get... I'm privy to hear what happens. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was just one of those situations where it's almost unfair because they were just both such incredible boards and incredible craftsmanship. It was In just kind of like, I almost felt bad. It was like, I, you know, I have to have a winner. Is there a way I can yeah. split this? Can we have a tie? No, we can't have a tie. You no. know, In a sense, you feel that way, but also it's just, if you're even invited to the thing, then it's already an honor and you already won. So there's no shame in losing to Gene Cooper's board that he put out. Like no. there's, that thing was insane. Yeah. You know, so really an, uh, a work. Of and then best in show presented by entropy resins and Marco foam, the sustainable surf best in show where we highlighted earth conscious, eco-friendly surfboards. That was uh, one by a Maurice Cole shaped board using recycled Marco foam and the Kenora recyclable resin. Right. And so that was, and then there were some uh, honorable mentions, the agave, the Cuervo, 100% agave surfboard that Gary Linden made. 100% agave. When I say that, I mean that from the, the core was agave, the resin was agave, the, the weave, the cloth was agave. It was agave. Yeah. 100% agave. Right. And that sort of pushed the limit as far as like natural uh, source materials. And then um, the other honorable mention was that algae blank by Arctic Foam that um, I'm not sure who shaped it, but that's been the real sort of the talk of the foam world is this new algae polyurethane where they're mimicking the, the um, polyols uh, in the um, 
in the polyurethane blank so that they can make a blank uh, using algae instead of uh, petroleum. Right. Interesting. I got a story about agave real quick. There's a liquor store right at, right near my my house that is called Tequila Fields. And the picture on the logo is an agave plant. And I drive by that thing and I'm like, there's no such thing as tequila fields. There's agave fields that you then make tequila <laughs> after. But if you're going to name your business this, don't you think you would do the research? And not only that, you're selling this product in your business. Don't you know? Yeah, it's but, not a tequila field, no, but it's an agave their field. Their store is the tequila field. Is that what it is? I think Am so. I missing the point? I'm going to the tequila field. <laughs> I just want, I don't have a reason to go to a liquor store really ever, but I want to just go over there and like open the door, not even go inside, just put my head in the door. Be like, hey guys, it should be agave fields, not tequila fields. What are you doing? Send them a note. Maybe I will. Might be safer. It's bothered me for a long time. Glad to be able to purge that on the podcast. My must-see moment is um, there's some drone footage of Stu Gibson that Stu Gibson took, I should say, um, of a point in New Zealand. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's this mental, really rare. It's called Rare Birds, the footage, the clip. is called Rare Birds. It's this really rare right-hand point in New Zealand that peels along this shallow boulder point and... And it's this drone footage of these guys getting these 200, 300 yards, super long and super close to shore. It's really quite interesting video clip. So hmm. it's on Vimeo. And I'll, of course, I'll put it on downlineradio.com as well. Sweet. My must-see moment. My must-see moment is Chris Burkhardt's TED Talk. Oh, I, should I see that? Definitely. Well, it's a must-see, actually. Uh, Not should-see. It's must-see. Must must-see. Chris Burkhardt, um, famed surf, cold water surf photographer. It's kind of his claim to fame is cold wa- shooting cold water. You've seen his images on the cover of Surfer Magazine, that one shot of Josh Molkoy in Alaska with a giant snow-capped peak in the background doing a snap on a right. And then Dane Godowskis, I think in Norway or the Faroe Islands or something, doing a frontside air on a left in front of a big snow-capped mountain with like the snow-topped houses in the background, like a little village. Um so Chris Burkhardt did a TED Talk. It's about 10 minutes long, and uh, I found it really inspired. Like, I was going to watch it because I like Chris Burkhardt's work, and it's surfing. But I actually found it really inspiring um, talking about just kind of pursuing your dreams in um, resistance to what everybody else says is right. Like, everybody goes on surf trips to warm water destinations around the equator, gets barreled you know, drinks, beers on the beach or whatever. Like his whole thing from the get go was, I thought that's what would fulfill me in life. And I did it for about two years and just realized this is so boring and unfulfilling. And so I need adventure. And he wasn't a fan of the cold, but once he found himself in those environments, he really embraced the cold. And the this piece is called The Joy of Surfing in Ice Cold Water. And he talks about a story of almost being to the point of hypothermia where the air temperature was below 10. It was 10, negative 10. Negative 10. And the water temp was hovering at freezing. And he basically, hypothermia was setting in. He couldn't feel his fingers enough to even push the trigger on the camera. And the other surfers that he was shooting in the water had to drag him out of the water because he was unable to even, he was like delirious. He didn't know which way shore was or anything. But he said when they pulled him out of the water, he was smiling the entire time. His friends said that. They're like, dude, you were just in a state of bliss. And he's like, maybe that's what the point you get to when you're about to die and hypothermia sets in. But 
I realized the value of every single snap of my camera at that point. It repositioned everything in my life, you know, and I found it really poignant and certainly a must-see moment. Um, I would like to segue that, though, into the benefits of cold water therapy, dude. For the last year or so, I've been taking cold showers instead of hot showers based on just different things I've heard from athletes and kind of high-level important people in their worlds just about um, how it – you see athletes get out of the – get off the football field, go and dunk themselves into an ice bath in the locker room, you know, and it helps with muscle recovery. And science has proven, quote-unquote, that there's a lot of benefits to cold therapy um, in terms of increased metabolism, enhanced immunity, stabilizing blood pressure, pain reduction, muscle recovery, improved mood, all this stuff. And so I've incorporated that into my morning routine. Wake up in the morning and used to be I'd have a leisurely morning, scroll Instagram for 20 minutes while I'm laying in bed, you know, and just check email and all this stuff. Now it's like get it right out of bed, get that cold shower. It like snaps your body into action, you know. Hmm, That's interesting. You know, the obvious uh, what comes to my mind is um, when you cool your body way down, your body goes, I'm cold. I need heat. I got to pump blood. And what it does is it pumps to yeah. get your back up. And yeah. so that's probably part of that healing process is you, you get Definitely. a bunch of blood. Whereas the opposite, when you heat, your body's like, I'm way hot. I got to cool down. How do I cool down? And it just kind of tries right. to settle down. So that's why a lot of times with injuries, they're like, I sit and then heat it. Exactly. And then I sit and then heat it. And some people do that. They like Tony Robbins has like a cryogenic or a hyperbaric or whatever the chamber is <laughs> that you get in and you yeah. go like, you know, 30 below or whatever, and then get out and go into the sauna afterwards and do a, a cycle basically. But, um, it's certainly good for like inflammation reduction in your body, which is AKA stress. And everybody knows the harmful, you know, effects of stress. So I'm a big fan for cold water therapy, but anyways, Chris Burkhardt's TED Talk is what you want to see. And then I got a kook and duke real quick. Okay. I don't. It's not actually that quick. Are you in a hurry? Okay. I'll make it quick. My kook is the oil spill, Santa Barbara County. How could we not talk about that? I have it on my list. My my computer uh, okay. died on me. But it was, Pla- it was uh, one of my stories. Specifically, Plains All-American Pipeline is the company name. Yeah. They spilled... What was originally reported as 21,000 gallons into Santa Barbara. It's five times that. Yeah. Turns out it's about 100,000 gallons. They're one Um, of the worst violators. Yeah. So check that out. A listener sent me a link to surfrider.org if you want to sign a petition. He's on the East Coast and they're currently uh, a drilling company there is trying to get a contract for five years of drilling and he's got a petition. If you want to sign to prevent drilling like this that could potentially damage wildlife i'll post that on surf shout out to jack cote for sending that link and then my duke matt miola for the spindle the spindle flip. flip spindle flip was mental huh how's that dude for That's a dude move. it's a game credible. changer yeah game changer game changer nobody's gonna be doing that but it changes what can be done oh for on sure a surfboard. yeah yeah um Matt Miola on Sunday morning at the boardroom show. I walked into the boardroom show. Like Felipe had just won Brazil. I got up at 5 a.m. to watch that in my hotel. Was psyched on it. Pull up Instagram and Matt Miola is doing a spindle flip. I was like, what in the world? It's yeah. crazy. I don't even I can't even explain what the rotation is. But the video, it's the closing clip on a video called Home that they produced on Maui exclusively. And the whole video is really 
were, I mean, it's an incredibly edited next level kind of thing, but then that's the closing clip. And there's a lot of airs in that video that would be almost game changing. Yeah. This one's revolutionary. So Matt Miola spindle flip, come to surf com to see it, but also go to anybody's Instagram Surfline, Matt Miola's Albie layers, blah, blah, blah. It's all on there. Last, right. last thought. Did you see what Albie Layer changed his Instagram handle to? No. What is it? John John Slater. <laughs> <laughs> I was scrolling through my feed. I'm like, John John Slater? What in the world is this? And I clicked on it. Turns out Al- it's Albie Layer. He just changed it. Oh, my. So that feeds more fuel to my argument. Right. That he could be his father. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, that's all we've got for this episode. We've got... Uh, you can reach David, hello, at surfsplendorpodcast.com and get your money in for the Fantasy Surfer Clubhouse it's right here, the Downline Clubhouse. Is it called Downline Clubhouse? What is it called? No. Surf Splendor is the clubhouse. But uh-huh. go to surfsplendorpodcast.com forward slash fantasy dash surfer. All the instructions are there for how to get uh-huh. money in, join the team, all that sort of thing. Okay. And you can reach me at surftalksandiego at gmail.com. And uh, thanks for all the emails uh, that you sent both David and I. And I apologize if we haven't gotten to them as quickly. We've been busy the last couple of weeks, but I'm sure we'll get to those emails shortly. And until next time, adios and aloha. And that's all she wrote. Thanks again, folks, for tuning in. SurfSplendorPodcast.com is where you go to see Chris Burkhardt's video, Matt Miola's spindle flip, uh, all the other things that we discussed in this show. We've got it all and links to all the articles that we discussed as well. All right. Thanks. Uh, Get your fantasy surfer team set and your wager in if you do that whole thing. And, of course, as always, rate and review the show on iTunes, blah, blah, blah follow social media blah 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 at surf splendor you know all that stuff i say it every single time so all right repetition is key my friends that is marketing 101 all right so sorry to burden you with it but i appreciate it and until next week this is your host for surf splendor david scales reminding you to shred on that tooth and I'll be that thing. A sky that cries and a bird that flies. A fish that walks and a dog that talks. Ooh, we ride me high. Tomorrow's the day that my brides are gonna come. Ooh, we are we gonna fly down into the easy chair. Tomorrow